Everybody love the Lord, say amen. amen. Wow, I love the Lord. How about you? And even though Pastor Matt and Heather are not here, give them a big round of applause in case they're peeking in. They're just doing such a, such a great job. And, you know, his kind words were just a little overwhelming. He makes me cry. Uh, I, I, the older I get, the softer I get. And uh, it's easy to stir up emotion. Uh, but, whoo, man, y'all are looking good. Turner, I don't know if you've... I don't know. I don't know what the rules or the protocol is. Fist bump, high five, air hug. Turn around, give somebody something. Just give them some love. Little air hug, fist bump. Tell them good to see you. Good to see so many of you. Some of the guys that have gone, Justin has gone on a water. Where's Justin? Justin's been on a water well trip. And Troy, Roger, and others. Where's, where's Troy? Troy's a carpenter, by the way, I just realized. There you go, Car amen. So, so, and then, of course, as Matt said, we've just been faithful family and friends for many, many, many years. Uh, and uh, we're just honored to stay here and, and, and in relationship with Destiny Church and the Bell family. I do four things. There's four things I do in life. Uh, I've melted it down and uh, and, and maybe I need to melt it down some more, but I think this is where I'm, I just turned 65 in May. I'm on Medicare now. Come on. That's so funny to me. Roland, are you on Medicare? <laughs> All the Medicare people just raise your hand and say, give him some praise. Woo! Give the Medicare crowd a big hand. Hallelujah. I have to say, my wife beat me to Medicare. And so we figured out what not to do. You know, this is so confusing. And then you see uh, JJ on TV going, get more back and all that. I didn't know what to do. And so, in fact, Roland, by the way, one of your insurance crony friends called me and said, You're, you got to go to Medicare. You need this and that. And I said, okay, sign me up. There we go. That's all right. So he, he did my work for me. Uh, but man, I'm on Medicare, but I'm, I got four things now that I'm in Medicare life that I do. I pastor Church on the Rock North in Beaumont, Texas. That's a responsibility of mine that I don't take lightly. Number two, Agua Resources, like Matt said. Uh, we've been bringing fresh water to the needy people of Mexico and living water. Uh, gosh, now well over 20 years. And today we lost count, but we're, we're probably over 400 water wells now in Mexico bringing fresh water to the people of Mexico. I'm telling you, that's an amazing thing to look and see what the Lord has done. Uh, and every time I see water, come, in fact, if you want to see water come out of the ground, just get on my Facebook page and you'll see it. I mean, it's, we're just excited about what the Lord's doing there. A little quick testimony. Last year during COVID, uh, I haven't been to Mexico in over a year and a half now. Uh, we went uh, last year right at the beginning and then, then the coronavirus uh, hit and shut us down as far as trips. We took our, we kind of got our bearings straight and started drilling with our in-house team there. And last year we set a, 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 a record in a year. We drilled 25 new water wells last year in Mexico. Uh, and so that's a big praise of the Lord, along with repairing a number of them. Somebody say amen. amen. And so, so we're excited about that. So this year we kind of set the bar about the same. Uh, last week, uh, We've got four more months of drilling season. Uh, we, uh, we drilled 25 wells already. Somebody give him praise. Woo! And I'm telling you, 
It's thrilling. Uh, the, the last three wells we drilled were last week in a place called Quinto Patio. Uh, the story of that place is that their, what we would call their city water just went down, it went kaput with no hope inside of it being resurrected anytime soon. Our team went in there and drilled three great phenomenal wells this week. So Quinto Patio has fresh water coming out of the ground. I'm just, th I'm telling you, if you've been, if you hadn't been there, you, whoo, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And so uh, thank you for being partners with us uh, by sending teams uh, and being a part of that. Hopefully before too long, we'll be able to go back. Uh, the one little hick hiccup is before you can get back in the States, you have to test negative for the coronavirus. Uh, and so uh, that kind of throws some people for a loop. So we'll see how it goes, but thank you. The third thing I do is Beverly and I, we spend as much time with family and friends as possible. And that's you. We're, see, I'm doing number three right here. And, and, and we do. We spend as much time with our kids and our grandkids. By the way, Nathan, most of you know Nathan. Uh, he and Mel are going to have our, our, their first uh, uh, child in August. Uh, our first Walker grandson. So we're excited about that. His name is Samuel Callum. Uh, we're going to call him Cal like he's from Texas. Uh, and so... We're, we're just living life. And then the fourth thing is to encourage the body of Christ at large as the Lord opens the door. And Pastor Matt was right. I'm an encourager. That's what I do. Uh, my mama used to tell me when I was growing up, she would say this to me. I thought you should feel better when you left church than when you came in. How many of you ever been to, not here of course, but how many of you ever left church feeling worse than when you came in? Okay, I've been to those churches before. Uh, this is not one of them. Amen. Look around and smile and say, man, aren't you glad about that? I'm just excited. In fact, if you haven't encouraged somebody today, turn around and give them a big smile. Or if you have to take your mask down, go, and they say, I love you. Tell some, come on, tell somebody else, I love you. Good to see you. An encouraging church. And so, so here we are today at Destiny Church. And so I believe God has brought me here today for a very special purpose. I was thrilled when Pastor Matt texted text me and asked me if I could come and speak uh, for you guys while they are, I think, in, are they in Wisconsin? I don't know where they are. They're somewhere uh, at a conference or something. And so I was thrilled because I love to come. It's like home. In fact, Beverly and I, when we got to the jury last night, uh, we just said, this just feels like home right here. In fact, this morning I went down looking for all the missions conference people. I mean, I just, that's just where, I, and they weren't there. Uh, but uh, man, what a, what a joy to be here today. Turn in your Bible today to two passages of Scripture, Hosea 4, 6 and 1 Chronicles 11. Everyone say Hosea 4, 6 and 1 Chronicles 11. And while you're turning, let's pray together. Let's ask the Lord. Because I believe, you know, if God is here, He can anoint His Word. He can anoint, if He can speak through a donkey, He can talk through an old-time Medicare, bow-legged, gray-headed preacher. So let's ask the Lord to have His way in our hearts. And I want you to, to, to ask the Lord to open your heart to hear what He's saying. I believe today is an important day for all of us. Father, we thank you today for the word of the Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that as we come together to share the word and hear the word and receive the word, that you will supernaturally empower us 
to be able to walk it out and apply it in our life and find ourselves at a new level of victory in Christ. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You know, I've been on to something for a while, and so when I'm on to something for a while, I, I share it wherever I go, because until I get off of it, uh, uh, you know, I just can't get off of it. In fact, I just shifted gears a few weeks ago. Uh, through, all through last year, I preached my longest series ever in the history of my life. I don't know how many, it's 40-something weeks. It's called Be the Church. I couldn't get off of it. And so, uh, and so we, we're, we still need to be the church, and you are the church, we're the church. But a few months ago, a couple months ago, God began to speak to me through Hosea 4.6. And it says this, my people are destroyed for a lack of what? God gives a warning about something that all of us need to take to heart. That because of a lack of knowledge, God's people can be destroyed. And I really have looked around and I've looked at life. I've looked at the church. I've looked at our world and I realized, you know, there's a lot of people in life in the church because of a lack of knowledge, they are being in effect destroyed by the enemy. And so... It's just, it's sad to me. And so hopefully today we can do warfare against ignorance. How many of you don't want to be an ignorant brethren? Amen. In fact, Paul said that. He said, I wouldn't have you to be ignorant brethren. And spiritual ignorance is killing God's kids. And we need to stop that. Somebody say, stop that. Amen. How many of you have, have gone through some oops and boops in life and just made mistakes and you look back and said, man, if somebody had told me how come nobody told me about that? Well, hopefully today we can do warfare uh, uh, against spiritual ignorance and we can engage our enemy with the knowledge of God. Because once you get the knowledge of God down in your life, man, there's some things you can do that you couldn't do before. And so I want to talk to you about that and just kind of in one simple angle from the first Chronicles passage in just a few moments, maybe give you some insights to help you uh, begin to live at a new level of spiritual victory and gain some wisdom from God. How many of the Bible says in all you're getting, what are you supposed to get? Not faster internet. No, wisdom from God. Most people are, if we just had faster internet. No, we need God's wisdom in our life. And so I, hopefully today I can give you a little wisdom, some warfare wisdom from David in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, maybe some basic training in your life because there's some things in life you need to know before you go. Any former, I know there's some former military. I met some, all the former, uh, and I don't know if you could say former military, but how many of you, once, once you're a soldier, you're always a soldier in my mind. So all the military stand up. If you've served in military duty, give those guys a hand. I'm telling you, way to go, guys. Way to go, guys. Stand up. Way to go. Way to go. Woo! You can be seated. How many of you guys, when you... When you signed up or you got, I don't know if there's any Vietnam vets who got drafted, but when before you got drafted, man, I missed the draft by a few years. Uh, and so, hey, however you got there, there's one thing you went through before they cut you loose into active military service. What's it called? Basic training. And how many of you know in our spiritual world, every Sunday, every Wednesday, is really 
basic training. It's training to get you out on the forefront, to get you out in a place where you can, can be victorious in life and, and, and uh, not allow the, your, your ignorance to play a part in your ultimate destruction, but you can get some training. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to get some spiritual basic training today. And if you're ready, say, I'm ready, Pastor. I know you got, and basic training is not always fun, is it guys or gals? I mean, when you, when you jumped into basic training, I bet all, all you guys went, whoo, this is fun. Give me some more of that. No, it was, an, it was, it was work. It was effort. There was pain. There was agony. But listen, and what were they doing? Preparing you for war. So maybe today will be that some warfare wisdom. I want to give you some spiritual strategy today. If you're in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, I'm going to give you a little background here from David uh, and then just build and then I'll come back to this passage of Scripture in 1 Chronicles chapter 11. When you look at verse 11, uh, verse 1 of chapter 11, it says, then all, then all Israel came together to David at Hebron, saying, indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also in time past, even when Saul was king, you were the one who let Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord your God said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be a ruler over my people Israel. So he was crowned king. All of Israel crowned him king. But then the next few passages described how it happened. So let me give you the, let me give you the backdrop. Where did David come into play? If you go back to 1 Samuel oh, 15, 16, 17, through there, it's kind of David's early history. And you know the story how uh, uh, God spoke to uh, Samuel and said, go to the house of Jesse and anoint the new king of Israel. You remember that story? You can look at it. In fact, I would encourage you to read this later. And so they brought all, uh, the, the, all, the, you know, all the debonair, strong uh, sons of Jesse out. And he said, nope, that's not the one. That's not the one. In fact, uh, Jesse didn't even, didn't even march David out there because the Bible says he was, he was uh, uh, young and ruddy in appearance. Uh, some people say he had acne. I don't know if that's what that meant or not, but he's just a kid. And so he's out taking care of the sheep. All the sheep say, amen. <laughs> and so he said, well, I got one more David. He's out there, but you know, he's just to bring him to me. And you know the story. Oop, thou art the one. He anointed him. And so there he was. All the other brothers got a little uh, uh, hacked off, I guess, and thought, man, what in the world is that all about? And then very quickly we find David serving Saul, playing his, and, and here's another thing that his brothers probably thought, you know, he, he just plays his harp all day. He's one of those guys sits around and just, you know, uh, and, and so he soothed the evil spirit from Saul. You remember that? And then they got cross-haired. In fact, uh, 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 Saul tried to kill him, threw a spear at him. And so David ran for his life. And he went from serving Saul to running from Saul. So that's the context. And over the course of time, in fact, if you go back to 1 Samuel, you'll find David hiding in the caves of Adullam. And that's where we'll pick up here. And so let me read this to you uh, from chapter 11, verse 10. Now those were the heads of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom with all of Israel. Now let me stop. Now remember, this is kind of a recap of how David moved from the cave to the crown. 
He's hiding in a cave. And this is some strategy I want to give you about how you and I can move, and this is what I believe chapter 11 is all about, how you and I can move from the cave, hiding in the cave, to the will of God for our life because it was the will of God according to the anointing of God upon his life to be the king. Are you with me? Say amen. And so this is what this is all, it's, it's, it's a recount of some things that I believe we can draw from to help us some strategy, a strategy is a plan of action, a plan for military operations and, and movements during a war or battle. And how many of you know we are in the middle of a spiritual war? And we need to know some things. Listen, I'm telling you the last year and a half, I've, I've, I've prayed in the spirit more than I've ever, I don't know how to pray as I ought. I don't, how do you, what is, am I the only one that just looked around a year and a half ago and I'm really all through, and just what in the world's going on here? What in the world? I just, and so we gotta, we've got to know some things by the spirit of God. God wants to give us some strategy and I want to help you with that. So here we are in chapter 11, verse 10. These were the heads of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom and with all of Israel to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Now everybody say mighty men. And all the women say mighty women. I don't want y'all to feel bad, but he had some mighty men. We got mighty. How many of you guys are married to a mighty woman of God? God don't, guys, don't let your, your, your woman out pray you. Come on now. Don't let her do your praying for you. But these mighty men, where did they come from? Well, if you go back to 1 Samuel, you'll find that when some everybody found out David's out there hiding in the caves of Adullam, he's hiding from Saul, it says these kind of people came. These are the kind of people you want to build your church on. They were indebted, distressed, and discontented. Whew, that'll help you build a great army. All the discontents. Let's rally all the discontents here. You know, most pastors trying to get rid of all the discontents. But these guys came, the discontented, the indebted, and the distressed. And from the discontent, how many of you, that's from, from which you probably came. Are you with me? I, that's from which we all came. That describes sin-sick America, sin-sick uh, humanity. And, and they all came uh, and they gathered together and God began to do something supernatural. And over the course of time, they became mighty men. Everybody say mighty men. And all the women say, mighty women. <laughs> and they came. And this is the number, verse 11, of the mighty men whom David had. Jehosh, I, I don't know if I can say his name. Jehoshabim, the son of a Hakmonite, chief of the captains. He had lifted up his spear against 300, killed them by him, by, by him, by him at one time. That's one bad dude right there. He had a, he had a beam, a spear. After him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Aoite. Now, I've always said this, that if your last name's Dodo, or however you want to pronounce it, you better be a bad dude. Eliezer. He probably said, hi, I'm Eliezer, son of... Eleazar, 
the son of Dodo, the Aeolite, who was one of the three mighty men. He was with David at Pashdam, wherever. And now there were Philistines were gathered for battle. And there was a place, a piece of ground full of barley. So the people fled from the Philistines. And so here's everybody's fleeing from the Philistines. But they, speaking evidently of David and Eleazar, son of depending on how you pronounce it. They stationed themselves, verse 14, in the middle of the field, defended it and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Somebody say amen. amen. Now three of the, the, three of the 30 chief men went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam. Everyone say Adullam. Anyone else? I, Beverly and I have been to Adullam. Anybody here been to Adullam? Am I the only ones? Are we the only ones? Come on. You've been to Adullam? Okay, you need to go there someday. Uh, and so I've been there. It's a pretty amazing place. So that's where David is hiding out. Now three of the 30 chief men went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam. And the army of the Philistines encamped in the valley of the Rephaim or the giants. And David was then in the stronghold, speaking of the cave of Adullam. And the garrison of the Philistines uh, uh, were then in Bethlehem. And so everything's backwards. David's hiding out. He's the anointed king, but he's hiding out in the cave of Adullam and the Philistines have run roughshod over uh, Bethlehem. And David said with longing, oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three, these three mighty men, broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem uh, that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, David would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord and said, far be it from me, oh my God, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of these men who have put their lives in jeopardy? For at the risk of their lives, they brought it. Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. And everyone said, amen. amen. I want to give you some warfare wisdom. How you, because hey, from chapter 11, he's already been crowned king. How did he get there? There's some wisdom here, some strategy here, some spiritual strategy on how you and I can move from the cave to the crown. Or, hey, let's, talk, let's think about this cave scenario. The, what, was, what was the will of God for David to be what? King. He was not king. He was anointed by God as king, but he was not the king. And these mighty men, they said, our goal, our desire, our plan is to be with him and do whatever we can for the will of God to be realized in his and our lives. And so today, let me just say to you, there's a battle for the will of God for your life. There's a battle for the call of God for your life. God has a plan for you and I. And the enemy does not want you to fulfill your plan. He's strategizing right now to keep you from the will of God for your life. He's strategizing right now. He's pondering. He's devising ways and means to keep you, your kids, and your grandkids from serving God, for fulfilling God's purpose for their life. Come on now. we got to take our stand. There's some things we better know. We can't let the enemy destroy our families because we just have a lack of knowledge. Are you with me today? So let me give you some thoughts from this passage. Number one, if you're, hey, you and I, strategies for moving from the cave to the crown. 
from being or not experiencing God's will to experiencing the will and the plan of God. The first one I see, and it's woven through Scripture here with David, the first thing you and I need to do when, we, hey, when we're in the wrong place, when we're hiding out, and let me just say, this is one of David's lowest places in his personal life when he was hiding out in the caves of Adullam. I don't, I, hey, I, I hate to quote Garth Brooks, I hope, Pastor Matt, I hope you're not watching wherever you are. He said, I'm tempted to sing it. He said, I got friends in low places. Have you ever been in a low place? Am I the only one that's ever been in a low place? David was in a low place in his life. He knew what God's will and plan was, but he was in a low place in his life. And I'll show you this. Uh, and he, he didn't throw in the towel, but he was in a low place. So the first thing you do when you're in a low place is stare up. If you're in the basement, don't keep looking down, for goodness sake. Look up, stare up. In fact, David said this in Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2. He knew this principle, by the way. He said, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. And then he kind of gives a quiz question here. He said, uh, he kind of pauses. He said, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. And then he, and then he gives a question, from whence comes or from where comes my help? And then he says, my help comes from the Lord. Let me just say to you today, if you're in a low place, David was in a low place in life. Hey, the first thing you and I need to do, if, we need to, if we're going to move from the cave to the crown, if we're going to get out of the low place to the high place, to the hills that God has for us, we got to look up. We got to stare up into the heavens. In fact, uh, I learned this a few weeks ago, Psalm 57 and Psalm 142 were written by David when he was in the cave. And so it gives you a perspective of what's going on in his life. And let me just go. Let me just show you. I, I know I got a clock here. Maybe I can. Maybe I, maybe I can do. It. Somebody lift your hands and help him, Jesus. Help him, Jesus. I, I got I to show you this. Here's, here he is in the cave in Psalm 57. Be merciful to me, O God. What's he doing? He's looking up. Be merciful to me, O God, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge. See, he's hiding in the cave from the Philistines and from Saul, but he's also, he's hiding away in the presence of God. He said, until my calamities have passed by, I will cry out to God most high, the God who performs all things for me. He will send from heaven and save me. Somebody say amen. He reproaches the one who will swallow me up. God has sent forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions. And let me just go back down to verse seven and just kind of uh, move through this quickly. He says, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake my harp. He's talking to himself right now. Awake lute and harp. Everyone say lute and harp. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing to you among the nations, for your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. 
I'm going to tell a little quickie story. Beverly, uh, without, Beverly had a little tummy issue last night. In the middle of the night, she woke up and said, Honey, where, where are those Tums or those, I mean, she needed them bad. And, and it's the middle of the night and I'm kind of, and she's in the dark. She don't have her glasses on. She's, I think they're there. I think they're here. And so she got up and got a little acid and she put it on. I'm thinking, man, when I take those, it's over. And so she's laying down a little bit later and she says, Ooh, I, I just don't feel good. I said, you just need to thank Jesus for Tums. I don't think she appreciated that. But when you're in a low place, and that's what, hey, if you go back to, I won't go to uh, Psalms uh, 142. Uh, yeah, I won't go there. I'll, there's so much else I'd like to. In Psalm 142, 6, which was written in the cave, he says, I was brought very low. You, you want to know how to get out of a hole in a hurry? Nobody? Okay, I'll go home now. You want to know how to get out of a low place in a hurry? Lift up your head. He said, I will lift up my head. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord. So, hey, strategy number one, this is spiritual strategy for moving from the cave to the crown. You got to stare up, lift up your heads, lift, hey, and lift up your heart and begin to worship and praise and magnify the name of Jesus. No, you don't need to turn there. Luke 21, Jesus is identifying and describing the last days. Somebody say last days. How many of you know last days, it gets worse and worse. It gets worser and worser. Uh, I mean, the last days. And he's describing the, the trauma of the last days. And he says, let me tell you what to do when everything is in a bad spot, when the world is going to hell in a hurry and things are looking bad. What do you do? He said, Jesus said this, let me tell you what the church needs to do. Let me tell you what you need to do. If you think you're in a low place, lift up your head, lift up your eyes for your redemption draweth nigh. Woo! Somebody here needs to stare up to heaven and begin to worship and praise and magnify the name of Jesus. Number two, not only stare up strategy, spiritual strategy for moving from the cave to the crown is strengthen up. Hey, come on, let me, let me see your muscles. Come on, let me see. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, any Popeyes in the house? Come on. But we're talking about spiritual strength. Listen carefully. Look what it says about these mighty men. If you go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 11, look what it says about them in verse 10. These were the heads of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom. Man, I'm telling you, they got together and they began to strengthen themselves together. That word strengthen could mean encouraged. And as Pastor Matt said, Pastor Sam is an encouraged. That's what I came to do. I'm telling you today, you don't need to stay in the pit. You don't need to stay in the cave. You can come out of that hole in a hurry. You can begin to stare up and begin to strengthen up. You know what Wednesday night's all about? Do y'all have church on Wednesday night? You have church on Wednesday night? Or um, small groups and other things? Sunday morning, Sunday, whenever you get together, you know what you're doing? You're strengthening yourselves together in the kingdom of God. You're, you're, you're growing stronger day by day and strengthening up because why? There, hey, let me, where's all those military guys? and gals at it. Lift your hand again. I'm sure when y'all got up at six o'clock, y'all just piddled around or five o'clock. What time did you get up in basic training? Five o'clock. 
and by 5.30, you probably had chow at the mess hall and you were running through briars and bushes over hill and over dale. Man, when I was, when I was, I'm going to write a book one day called When I Was Growing Up. So you can learn a lot while you're growing up. And I was in a little town called Red Oak, Texas. It was a very small town. And I played football. You can't believe that, but I did. Back then, I, in my senior year, I was a 135-pound starting left guard for the mighty Red Oak Hawks. Hallelujah. <laughs> my, my coach wouldn't put that on the program. Every Friday night, I gained 35 pounds. <laughs> really? It hit me later. But during the off season, you had, to, you had to run track. I couldn't run track, and I won't tell all those stories, but you'd run cross country, just like the military. I mean, they just, they just let you loose. I mean, students take you out in the middle of nowhere and tell you, run back. <laughs> Come back. We run in cross country, and they said, just keep running. You'll get your second wind before long. I just, I realized my coach was lying to me. I never got my second win. <laughs> but what were they trying to do? Get me strong, get me ready, get me prepared for my enemies. It was strengthen me up. David in 1 Samuel 30, when they came back in as mighty men at one particular place, came back to their kind of campground there in Ziklag. And they came back and the Amalekites had run roughshod and, put, and burned Ziklag with fire and took their wives and kids hostage and off the Amalekites went. And it was so bad that even David's mighty men, when all they saw it, they wept until they could weep no more. And they got together and they began to think, maybe we messed up here. Maybe we should just have a rock party and stone this guy. And David, the Bible says that he went into the presence of God and he got the linen ephod. And the Bible says the first thing he began to do, not at, what would be the first thing we would begin to do, even if we got in the presence of God, we'd start complaining to the Lord of why he let this happen. Lord, why did you do this to me? That was not David. There's some things he learned. And the Bible says David began to encourage himself in the Lord his God. He began to give himself, he began to strengthen himself and the Lord is God. And he's, he, just, he didn't ask why. Come on, we spend too much time asking why. Come on, am I preaching to somebody today? We spend too much time asking why, Lord, did you do this to me? Why am I in this cave? Why am I in the middle of this problem? David didn't do that. He began to encourage himself and he just said, God, tell me what to do. Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I pursue them? And the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, pursue, for you shall doubtless recover it all. And would have never happened had he not strengthened up a little bit. Everybody say, stare up. Everybody say, strengthen up. Number three, everybody say, step it up. You got to step up in this first Chronicles 11. It says this in verse 10 and 11. It says, now these were the heads of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him. Somebody say with him. They strengthen themselves with him, and it says to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. And this is the number of the mighty men whom David had. I'm telling you, these guys stepped up. They were volunteers. They didn't get drafted into this Davidic army. 
They came and they volunteered and they stepped up. In fact, you could go to 1 Chronicles 12, verse 8. It began to get contagious. The Gadites, it says that they came and they began to volunteer as well. These Gadites, let me show you them. Verse 8, chapter 12, verse 8, it says them. Some Gadites joined David at the stronghold in the wilderness. Mighty men of valor, men trained for battle, who could handle shield and spear, whose faces were like the faces of lions and were as swift as the, as the gazelles of the mountains. I'm telling you, the spirit of volunteer began to show up in the middle of the cave. I'm telling you, we're not going to sit. Hey, we're coming together. We're volunteers. Some people sit on the sidelines. They're the people who are running uh, from the field and the fight. But there are some that will say, I'm stepping up. I'm going to be involved. I'm going to volunteer here. I'm going to stay apart. I'm in all the way. Amen. Psalm 110, verse 3. I think David wrote this one. Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power. Oh, may God grant us in the middle of this war more and more volunteers who will step up and say, I'm all in in this spiritual battle. Uh, hey, remember, go all the way back to what get, got David in trouble in the first place. What happened? He slew Goliath. He volunteered. Man, go read that. If you can't preach from, from David and Goliath, you can't preach. He volunteered, man. He took a step up. He basically looked around at all the frady cats on the other side and, and, and people, his big brothers. He said, is there not a cause? Don't you guys know what's at, what's at stake? Now listen carefully. We need to realize there's a lot at stake right now. We can't stay in our cave. Look at your neighbor and say, you've you got to come out of that cave now. Come on. You've got to come out of that cave. You've got to come out of that hole. You've got to get out of that low place. You can't stay there. We can't stay. Come on, look at somebody else. Somebody need You can't stay there. You just can't stay there. You say, Pastor, I thought you were an encourager. That's kind of rough. You can't stay there. You got to get up. Hey, you got you to stare up, strengthen up, step it up, and stand up. Somebody say stand up. Look what it says. And David, and, and, and remember, Eliezer, the son of, son of Dodo. What does it say about them in the bean patch? Everybody else fled from the Philistines. But it says, verse 14, but they stationed themselves. That means they took their stand. They stood up. You know where the only place to hide uh, out in the middle of that bean patch if you lay down in the middle of the beans? They made themselves vulnerable. They took their stand in the middle of the bean patch, the field of lentils. And the Bible says as they took their stand, while everyone else was fleeing. How many know that's hard to get over if you're taking a stand and everybody else is running? Hey, I'm talking about getting from the cave to the crown. I, I'm not talking about, you know, getting to the front of the Chick-fil-A line. I, I'm just, come on. I'm talking about mighty men and women of God. 
what do mighty men and women of God do when they're at a, in, in a doolum at the cave and God's calling them to the will of God for their life and to take their rightful place back as, as rulers and people who rule and reign in the earth. Are you with me? I'm talking about mighty men and women of God. I'm not talking about fraidy cats who are running from every little old thing, whining and complaining. Woe is me. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. None of the young people know where that came from. <laughs> but you got to stand up. And then it says, verse 14, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Listen, if you'll stand up for him, he'll stand up for you. In fact, if you go over to Ephesians 6 and you talk about spiritual warfare and the warfare that we face, Paul, and putting on the whole armor of God, four times in four verses, Paul said, uh, take your stand, stand fast. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Do not, do not retreat. Look at your neighbor and say, we can't retreat this thing. We can't back up. We can't hide. It's time to come out of the cave and take our stand. That's how they got out of the cave. Come on now. They stood up, and the Lord brought about a great victory. And then number five, hey, let me, let me backtrack. We're talking about strategies for moving from the cave to the crown. The first one is stare up. The second one is, the third one is, the fifth one is stand up in the middle of the bean pad. Take your stand. Whoo, prepped and ready for battle. Then number five, everyone say, speak up. I love this one. David's there in the cave of Adullam. I've been there. I wish you could go. Should have brought pictures. And he says this. He says, oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And you know what happened? The three mighty men, they broke through that. They took off towards Bethlehem, broke through the Philistine ranks and fought off. These were bad motor scooters. And they fought off, fought, fought off. They fought off the Philistines and came back with a, with a beautiful, uh, however, flask or pot full of water or skin full of water and gave it to David. He was overwhelmed. He couldn't believe they had risked their lives and he could not drink it. He just, I can't do this. These guys have risked their life for me. And he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. I, I would, I, for a long time, I said, drink it, David. They risked their lives. But my hypothesis is, Anybody know what a hypothesis is? If you do raise your hand, the definition, what's the definition of a hypothesis? Educated guess. Come on, you, you, you got an A in school. My educated guess about David's statement, oh, that someone would bring me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. My hypothesis is David was not thirsty. I'm going to let you think about it. You know why I, I, my hypothesis? 
Because I've been to the cave of Adullam. You need to Google this. There is an eternal spring blowing out of that side of that mountain. You can't, I dipped my feet. I, Roland, I rolled, you would be proud of me. I rolled up my, my I took off my shoes and rolled up my, my pants and I walked off into that beautiful water where David every morning, noon and night, while he's hiding out in the cave, could just take and partake of the water and the, and the well there and the, the spring there. So I just have a feeling that when David said what he said, he was not talking about physical water. How many of you agree? Come on now. I've been there. I've seen it. Trust me. Google it. You'll find out that he was not thirsty with physically for water. What was he thirsty for? The will of God. Because if he was in the will of God, he would have daily people bringing him water from the well. And he was so thirsty, he spoke it out. Let me backtrack. Go back to Hosea 4, 6. I think this is my last point. No, it's not. I'll be done in a minute. Go back to Hosea 4, 6. My people are what? Destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Everybody say destroyed. It's a little different word than the word you and I would think when we think the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's a different word. It means basically this. Follow me now. I don't know if it's in your notes. Follow me now. Here's what it means. This word destroyed means to be dumb or silent, thus fail or perish. Now, let me kind of tweak it a little bit in Pastor Sam's revised standard version. To fail or perish because of ignorant silence. In other words, because you don't know something, you don't say something. And because you don't know something, you don't say something. And because you don't know something and you don't say something, therefore you perish. But if you know something, you can then say something. And what you know and what you say begins to materialize right before your eyes. Because out of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. Job said, declare a thing and it shall be established. Listen, when you are in the cave, when you are in your low place, follow the footsteps of David. Read the Psalms. Read Psalm 57 and 42. Yes, he was in a low place, but he didn't allow his low place to determine everything that came out of his mouth. And he began to declare the will of God. When he began to say it out loud, oh, that someone would bring me a drink from the waters and the wells inside the gates of Bethlehem. What he was saying there, oh, that the will of God would be made manifest. He knew he was the anointed king of God, but he was hiding in a cave and the Philistines had overrun Bethlehem and he began to declare, he began to speak up. You know what Jesus said when we pray, Matthew 6? When you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Everybody, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know what a better translation is? It's a declaration. Come, kingdom of God. Come, will of God. 
Wherever you are, whether you're in the cave or in the field of lentils, declare the will of God. It's time to speak up in the spirit. Listen, I, I think I know something here. And hey, we, we are, the Bible says we're ensnared by the words of our mouth, but we can be delivered by the words of our mouth. We can speak the word of God and it'll begin to come forth, declare a thing and, and, and it shall be established. What did David say in Psalm 37? He said, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. It's time to speak up. How many of you like my hypothesis? It's an educated guess. He had plenty of water but he was not walking in God's perfect plan for his life. He knew he had to come out of the cave to receive the crown. And then finally number six Basic spiritual strategies for moving from the cave to the crown. Stare up, strengthen up, step up, stand up, speak up. And then number six, shore up. When these three mighty men, when they heard him say what he said, they went, did you hear that? Let's do it. And they brought him back. But let me tell you something. I think they knew. He wasn't talking about physical water. But what did they bring him? Physical water. You say, Pastor, how do you know? How do you know what they were thinking? That's my hypothesis. Because they had plenty of water. And so they broke through the ranks. Here's David at the lowest place. He's been brought very low. He's having a battle of faith. He's back and forth. He's at a low place. And his mighty men, what are they doing? They're, shore, they're going to shore up his faith. You know what they were giving him when they gave him that water? They were not giving him water. They were giving him a vision of future victory. They were telling him, if we can do this, what do you think all of us can do together? Whew. His mighty man gave him a vision of victory. It was a word picture. Look, David, it's from Bethlehem. Proverbs 29, 18. Without a vision, the people perish. David and his mighty men probably could have perished there had they not gotten a very real up-to-the-moment vision of victory in their life. That's just some strategies. You and I can implement spiritual strategies for moving from the cave to the crown. This morning as we close, I believe the Lord is speaking to people today. Let's stand up together wherever we are. I think today God wants to do something in our midst. If you want God to do something in your life, how many, hey, let's do it this way. How many of you know somebody that's in the cave that, that needs to come out of the cave? How many, hey, how many of you, how many of you got some, some scenarios in your life where, where you feel like you're kind of hiding in a cave and not really experiencing the will of God? It's time to come, tell, turn around and say, it's time we, we got to get out of the cave. Come on.